New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We pray that you're blessed as you listen to this week's message. This past, I don't know, in the fall sometime, the Lord started just really um, talking to me about hope. And... uh, there's just a few things, but the, me- the title of the message this morning is Cultivating Hope. You know, if you watch the news for very long, it's not all that hopeful. And uh, when we bombard ourselves and we look around in our um, situations and circumstances, we can if we're not careful, start to, to lose hope. And we, because Christ in us, the one who resurrected from the dead, has taken up residence within us, yes. within me. And uh, I, should be one of, I should be like the most hopeful person on the planet. And, you know, I was reminded, uh, Disney, what do they call that, the happiest place on earth? Well, I contend the kingdom should be the happiest place on earth. That wherever we are, that should be the happiest place on earth. Because we carry the king. And this morning we sang that song. You know, I just want to encourage Matt. He picked the list. Even though I did sing a couple of songs this morning, Matt picked the list. And uh, when I started going over the list, I was like, this is awesome. Because it really kind of preached the message already. What we need to know is, I mean, we, we know what hopelessness ends up in. I mean, that's not really, you don't have to have a degree of some sort to figure this out. In Proverbs, they tell you, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we know that hopelessness, hopelessness leads to sickness and death. It's not really a good thing. We are meant to be and live and release hope all around us. But if we're not walking in hope ourselves, you're not really going to leak it. And a lot of times I think sometimes we've boiled down walking in the spirit that it's you know, some sort of magical thing. But really, you have to be very deliberate about this. And you have to be about deliberate about cultivating hope in your life so that you walk in hope. And I trust me, ever since (laughs) I said I was going to preach on this, I have had great opportunities (laughs) to live out this message in my own life. We need to define what hope is as it's talked about in scripture. When we oh well, goody. When when we think of hope um, and the way it's used in the English language, it's more like a wish. You know, I hope I get a raise. I hope this turns out. I hope I get a BB gun for Christmas. If you were here last week. But when you look up hope, 
it means the joyful anticipation of good. Now, I don't know about you, but the picture that came to my mind is children waiting for Christmas. If that's not the picture of hope, I don't know what is. I remember being a kid, and I didn't know what was going to be under the tree, but I knew there was going to be stuff under there with my name on it. I don't know exactly what stuff, but I was pretty excited that there would be stuff. In fact, I was convinced. I wasn't laying in bed losing sleep about whether there would be something under the Christmas tree. I was laying in bed having dreams about what it might be. We, we, we sometimes lose our hope because we're, our hope is in a situation or an outcome, not a person. And our hope has to be anchored in Christ and who he is. And the reason why we're not hopeful is because we, we don't know who our father really is. We're not convinced. We're not convinced of his goodness or the fact that he really wants things to work out for me. Or that he, he really understands how, where I'm at. And that he's a good daddy. And he's got it covered. We're always, I, at least I, I'm going to be honest with you, in the back of my mind, you know, when I, when I was trying to work out this situation myself, I've got this thing running in the back of my head, like, okay, if things don't work out, what am I going to do? Like, what could I do? How can I fix this? I'm sure I'm not the only one who thinks that way. And if we understand that hope is the joyful expectation of good and that it's rooted in God, then when our hope gets attacked, what's actually being attacked is the character of God. Because when the enemy comes in to steal your hope, what he's saying to you is God is not who he said he is, and you are going to get it. You are about to be on the wrong side of things. And to convince you that Father isn't really good. And he's not really faithful. And he isn't all those things that he says he is. I think that I'm going to read out of Romans 4. And one of the most amazing examples of hope in Scripture is Abraham. It's really interesting about Abraham. You know, the more um, those of you who've been taking the Bible school, you know, have got into it a little bit more. But, you know, when it talks about when Jesus comes, they, they refer back to, you know, Paul's writings, he's continually f- referring back to Abraham. But yet, we're always trying to do the Moses thing. We're trying to live in Moses' land when he keeps referring back to Abraham being the father of our faith. 
Moses and the wandering children that are continually messing up isn't our example. Abraham, and, and the really interesting thing about Abraham is his hope was tied to the resurrection of the dead. The scripture says his body, their ability to procreate was all but dead. Hello? They were old. Their body had quit doing this a little while ago. Now, back then, I don't exactly know how that worked because these people lived a really long time. So, who knows? But how long that they'd been out of commission, but they said, our bodies are all but dead. We can't reproduce. So, in Romans 4... I'm going to start in verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. So his hope was anchored in the resurrection of the dead. His, his own, he needed a resurrection miracle in his life for God's word to him to happen. Our hope is rooted in the resurrection of the dead. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In, I believe it's uh, 1 Corinthians, where Paul talks about if there was no resurrection, this is all an exercise in futility. Our hope is anchored in the fact that Jesus Christ raised from the dead, defeated death, and that we are resurrected from the dead. Not will be, but are. See, a lot of times we walk in hopelessness because we stick it out way long, far away when we get to heaven someday. Our hope and our truth is real right now. Right now, I am resurrected from the dead. Not someday when I die and I get to heaven. That's just a change of address. I like the message version in uh, Romans 4. We call our, fa- our Abraham father not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in Scripture? God's saying to Abraham, I set you up as father of many peoples. Abraham was the first named father, and then he was first named father, and then he became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do, raise the dead to life. And where the word made something out of nothing, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. Deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. 
And so he was made father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never father a child, nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came out strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. That's why it said Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham, it's also us. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. The sacrifice Jesus made us fit for God, set us right with God. You know, I was thinking about cultivating hope. It's not really rocket science, but it is something we have to actively participate in. We have to remind ourselves, first of all, who God is. And for me, I read Romans 8 a bunch of times in preparing for this word. And I wasn't really going to preach out of Romans 8, but Romans 8 is very hopeful. Yeah. Romans 8 is amazing. And when we, just to be reminded of who God is and what he's done and the provision that he's made and the tools that he's given us, we remind ourselves of what he has said to us. We are a prophetic church and we have a lot of people here that love to move in the prophetic and we do the first Sunday of the month and if you don't have a word from the Lord you need to get up here on the first Sunday I don't know what you're doing yet because everybody in here should have at least had somebody encourage them with a word from the Lord at least once in your life and if you haven't you need to Because there are times when your circumstances will oppose the word you got. But God is not a liar, and if he spoke to you, stand on that. You know, I I had a word years ago that I would walk in divine health. A prophetic word from, from someone that wasn't from here. And there are times I'm still warring with that word. Not just when, you know, the cold tries to come and attack my body. But I remind myself, God, and the enemy that that's my promise. Not only is it in the word that as kingdom people we don't have to be sick. But I have a word personally, and I stand on that. I'm believing that someday I won't need glasses because I'm believing that divine health includes my eyesight. Do I, I still have my contacts in, yes. But that doesn't mean I'm not warring with the word. We, there are things that God says to us and we need to, be, we need to have those at hand because we come against situations that are 
directly opposing sometimes to those, those things. And if we look at our circumstances, maybe it looks hopeless. But the point is, our hope is anchored in God, not in our circumstance. We have to remind ourselves who God is, get in the word, I worship. This morning we sang a lot of great songs. You know, when I'm picking out songs on a Sunday, I'm always thinking about, I don't know about you, but you hear a song and it goes through your head, right? And I'm always thinking about what, what kind of words are going to be going through the people's head when they leave after being in a worship service. So I'm always trying to pick songs that will remind people of who God is and what he said about them. So that when you're facing something, you're reminded that God is faithful and he's true. That, he's, that, that there is a reason to hope, regardless of what things around you look like. And the third thing that the Lord gave me was to dream. I, I got to thinking, when I was... Uh, I don't know, 18, 17, 18 years old. I mean, I was chock full of dreams. I was oozing them. I knew what God had said to me. I was going for it. I was going after it. You know, I went to Elam. I went to Roberts. And in both those decisions, I knew that I knew that I knew that I was where God said to me because I had a dream and I knew God had talked to me. But what the enemy wants to do is come in and just beat you up. Make you forget about those dreams or tell you they're irrelevant. And they don't have to be dreams about ministry. They can be dreams about building a house. God wants us to dream. He, he's a good father. It's not just about, you know, I dream that I led 100,000 people to the Lord. That's a good dream. But God wants us to dream about other things about maybe some guitar that you want to own someday or a car that you've always wanted to have. You know, maybe you're into tinkering with cars and you're like, oh, I'd love, you know, a seven, you know, 1970 Oldsmobile 442. That'd be awesome. <laughs> when you dream, it gives the Holy Spirit a place to land in your life. And a lot of times, we're, we shut all that stuff down. We don't want to be disappointed. But we are to be called a people of hope because people are crying out for us all around. I mean, the news recently has been anything but hopeful. But the truth is, there's a lot of great things happening in the kingdom right now, and they're just not being reported on the news. Because they'd rather follow all the stuff going on in Paris rather than tell you what the church in France is doing right now. And I'm sure they're not sitting around. We need to cultivate hope in our life and we need to do it on purpose so that we can leak it to the people who don't know him and are in desperate need of hope. So I, I just really want to encourage you. I was reminded of Philippians 4. 
where in 4a he said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We do those things. You do that on purpose. You have to do that on purpose. You have to be deliberate about those things. You have to take every thought captive. We can't just let our minds wander. We have to think. We have to, to, to think about who God is and what he has said about us, what he has said to us, what he has said to the church, what he has said to New Hope, or wherever your home church is. What has he said to your family? We, we have a family situation right now with my sister-in-law. Her health's not good. And I... I was, had a long conversation with my brother on the phone this week, and they've had really awesome words spoken over their family, but every member of their family has been attacked in their health where the enemy has tried to take them out, and his wife repeatedly. We are going to war with the word over her life. She has books to write. She has things to do, people to touch. You have to, you, you know, and you have to be deliberate about it. The truth is, being hopeful is scary. Let's just be honest. Being hopeful is scary. Because in our mind, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. What terrible thing is going to happen if I get all hopeful? If I'm not hoping, then I can't be disappointed. And you really have to go after this. You're not just going to all of a sudden one day get hopeful. It's not magic fairy dust. Although that would be cool. I'd like that. Be hopeful. But we, we need to go after it. We need to, to say, I want to be a person of hope. And part of that is really going after, we can say that we know who God is, but if you really, had the, if you really get the revelation, you, you will be hopeful. Abraham was convinced. Abraham was convinced. Hebrews 1, where it says, here, hang on things hoped for. Well, 11.1 is actually the one I was going for initially. Faith is the substance of things not seen, the evidence of things hoped for. So I looked up, I looked up that word in the Greek, Hebrews. Now faith is the confidence of what we've hoped for the assurance about what we do not see, this is what the ancients were commended for. But it talks about, when you, when you look at faith, the word for faith, it talks about being fully convinced. And this word, hope, actually means actively waiting. 
So I'm fully convinced and actively waiting for the proof that God is who he says he is. And Abraham had no reason other than being convinced that God would do what he couldn't. So part of really going after this is really going after and saying, God, and getting in the word, and getting in his presence. I mean, he's with us always. You know, time, you know sometimes we just have to change our focus and pay attention to his presence, which is with us. But get in his presence and really go after the revelation of who he is as your father. Because that, when you become fully convinced that when someone comes, when the enemy comes to you and says, God is not this, you can say, no, 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 he is that. He is faithful. He is not a liar. He did say this to me, and he loves me. Because when, you, they go after, when he goes after your hope, he's going after God. So it's not uh, not rocket science. But just as a reminder, cultivate hope. Remind yourself who God is. Cultivate hope. Remind yourself of what he has said to you. Cultivate hope. Dream. What has God put in your heart? And don't, don't get all religious. Don't get all religious about your dreams. What, what is it that God's put in your heart? All of it. Sit down with a piece of paper. Write down what God's put in your heart. I want, I want a cottage. I'm going to just tell you up front, that's one of my big dreams. I want a cottage on a lake. Not going to be shy about that, and I'm getting it. I also enjoy ministry, but in God's, in God's view as his daughter, he wants to hear all of what's on my heart, because there is no secular and sacred. It is. He has made me, and how that works out in my life, and all the things he's equipped me for, and all the outworkings of that, it's all a gift from him, and it's all his to begin with, and it's all his at the end, so trying to divvy it up is just categorization on our end that doesn't exist in heaven. I just want to just encourage you today to cultivate hope. Be deliberate, on purpose, do it. Because hope is contagious. Hope is infectious. Hope leaks out on people. People like being around hopeful people. The world needs hope. And when you walk into the room, you carry Jesus. And everything changes. We sang that this morning. When you walk into the room, everything changes. You carry Jesus, so when you walk into the room, everything changes. 
So be deliberate be, to be carriers of hope and leak it all over everybody. John, uh, I yes, wanted not. to see John release this morning. One of the words he's received is that he would be a prophet of hope. Yeah. Amen. I'm not crashing. No, you go. I'm not crashing best party here. New Hope is like a lumber mill on the side of a river. And you're all employees there. But the, the, the blades aren't running. You're anticipating and you're excited. See, years ago, they would cut the trees down upriver. And they would take the branches off and they'd float them downriver. And then they'd float them towards the lumber mill, and the lumber mill would break them down into useful wood. But New Hope's on the side of the lake. There hasn't been very many logs coming down. Seems like it's been really quiet in your life lately. Not much to do. But the sense that I get is God's been upriver, and He's loosening up the log jam in your life and in our lives. And the logs are moving downriver again. The logs are moving downriver towards the mill again. See, for some of you, the door closed for an opportunity or an event or a ministry or an anointing. Maybe you weren't ready. Maybe you didn't handle it correctly. Maybe you weren't at that level of maturity. Maybe you didn't even see the door to begin with. And this dream, this passion in your life closed. So you shrugged your shoulder and you moved on. But the sound you're going to hear is the door popping open again. God will not bodily lift you up and throw you through the door. You have to deliberately go back. But the door is ajar again. He's going to give you a second chance at that. He's going to give you another chance. He's going to bring the logs back to you again. He's going to say, okay, let's give this another try. Let's do it again. You can say, Lord, I thought that was dead. No. It's not dead with me. He's going to bring the logs back to your mill again and give you another chance. This time the door is open. Turn around. Go through it. Go through it. Amen? You have to be deliberate. Like Beth said, you have to be deliberate. He will not overrule your will. Now, does that speak to you? Raise your hand up. Father, what Beth said, what we have learned, what we have learned this morning is that we have to be deliberate. We have to move in the direction that you're calling us. Mm. Lord, settle this. Bring the logs, Lord. Bring the logs again to our mill. Open the door. Those doors we thought were closed are popping open again. And Lord's saying, step through it now. Step through it now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. 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 Amen.